0: what's going on everybody and welcome in to another edition of b-shape daily brendan schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of tuesday august 9th 2022 no cardinals game today and i contemplated not doing a podcast because had a lot going on tonight put some furniture together after the radio show that was fun I watched the newest Better Call Saul. If you're not up on Better Call Saul, you need to be, especially if you're one of those people who you've seen Breaking Bad, but then people talk to you about Better Call Saul, which is the prequel, and you go, oh, there's a show just about the lawyer. Really? I need to watch that? Yeah, you do. (laughs) You really do. Tonight was the second-to-last episode, and I'm telling you, if you've never given it a shot or if you started it but you, you fell away from it, I've talked to people who have had that situation, I sincerely, I could not recommend it any further. But as I was wrapping that up, I was reading Twitter, which I had stayed off of the entire night because I didn't want to spoil anything for the show that I was preparing to watch. But I got this message from Luke. He said, if you do put one out, because I did ask people yesterday, I said, hey, if you want me to put one out, guilt me into it, and maybe I will. And he said, if you put one out, you can bet your ass I'm listening tomorrow. Told me I could talk about uh, my favorite food, drink it, Bush, and he'd listen. So I appreciate the support from you, Luke. You're the man. And I thought that was such a uh, inspiring message for me to get off my ass and do something. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll talk for a little bit. And I think what I'm going to do is, first of all, do a little housekeeping. I'm going to introduce something that is brand new from today in terms of another way that you can support Be safe Daily, support my content, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But the main focus of the show today, I think, is going to be, and I've gone back and forth on whether I want to do, how far in the future I want to go, basically. Because a week or 10 days ago, whenever the Cardinals had their last off day, I think it was the day the rain out happened, and so that might have only been a week or so ago in the middle of that Cubs series, I did an episode on the 2024, predicting the 2024 Cardinals lineup, based on guys already in the organization. You can scroll on back on your B-Shape Daily podcast feed if you missed that one. It's evergreen. Because we just talked about two years in the future. What do we think the Cardinals lineup could look like? And I got one request in DMs to do an episode on the pitching staff. Try to predict the starting rotation into the future. And I I went back and forth on it. I think I'm going to do just 2023 because that's actually most relevant. It's sooner than later. And if you got into 2024, I think people would just be pretty sad. In 2023, you might not be super excited about it. Because if I go about it the same way that I did with the the lineup episode, you're going to get into a situation where you realize there's not a whole lot coming back. There's a lot of uncertainty. But I think that's important to talk about because even though right now you're focused on the seven-game winning streak, the Cardinals will be in Colorado on Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week before returning back to Bush, just a quick three-game road trip, come back home, face the Brewers. It's going to be a fun series next weekend down at Bush Stadium. But I thought, let's do 2023, because that's maybe where we can most effectively guess at what the Cardinals could do. And unlike what I did in the previous episode, I I think I am going to try and do a little bit of delving into, okay, what could be on the market if they need to make a move for somebody. And talk about free agent options. Trade options are always tricky, but I'll look at guys I think could be feasible if they dip into the free agency pool, which I don't know off the top whether they will or whether they'll feel that they need to, at least in terms of outside acquisitions, if you catch my drift. And if you've been listening to B-Shape Daily, you already know where I stand on this issue. And so we'll get into it a little bit today. We'll talk about the 2023 pitching rotation, and try and predict what it could look like, where the depth could come from, because we know that this year was a season, again, second in a row, where the Cardinals desperately, desperately needed to do something at the deadline to fix the pitching situation. And to John Mazalak's credit, he did, and he did so without really giving up a whole lot from the team's future. We talked about how Harrison Bader, obviously he was the team's starting center fielder and fan favorite, and you hate to have to trade somebody that's, presently going to have the ability to help you in the season you're in. But I think it was a perfect storm in trading away Bader because, first of all, he was only under contract through next season. And you had the last six weeks or so Bader out with an injury and you saw right in front of your eyes who his replacement needed to be and who it could be. Dylan Carlson proved himself defensively and, and the rest is kind of history. So that was the one piece that you go, wow, I can't believe like, you probably wouldn't have expected Harrison Bader to be traded, I think, coming into the trade deadline, period. But that's the way the Cardinals went, and I think they're going to be better for it in the long run and even in the short run as well because Bader's still, to my knowledge, in a walking boot, which doesn't help his ability to play center field. So we're going to talk about that, the 2023 pitching rotation today. But first, let's get into a little bit of housekeeping. I want to remind everybody real quick that you can subscribe to B-Shape Daily, if you haven't done so already, on Spotify, If you have an iPhone, Apple Podcasts is a great option. That's what most people use. According to the analytics of people listening to the podcast, it's Apple Podcasts most of the time. But there are also other places you could go. Head to anchor.fm slash for 12 and click on more platforms. It gives you about seven options for different apps that you can try out. And Bshafe Daily can be found on all of them. So that's one great way to listen. Once again, I'll remind you that if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to Twitter. My Twitter at bshafer 12 Click on the money tab, and there's a link on there to my Venmo and my Cash App, and a few people have have done so in recent weeks. Uh, but I'm going to talk about today a new way to a new way to contribute, and this is purely optional, but it's something that you'll hear me bring up on the show moving forward. And you're also going to get a little something extra with it if you decide uh, to to join in on this. I did start a Patreon that you'll see me tweet about it on Tuesday. I think will be the first time that I unveil that. I had my buddy Austin message me, and he's messaged me about this before in the past, I'm pretty sure. But he messaged me today, and he said, do you have a Patreon or anything like that? I I know there might be some people who would be willing to and would like the chance to uh, give you monthly support for the, the content, for the podcast. And in the modern era of podcasts and content creation online, I know there's a lot of people who go this route, and I've always been Kind of reluctant to do it because I didn't know exactly what I wanted it to look like. And I, I even told him, I, I thought, well, I have a Patreon already. I just have never actually hooked it up. And so I spent a few hours this afternoon with the Cardinals off day trying to set that up. And I, what I decided is I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's patreon.com slash bshafer12, the same as everything else. All my social media is, is bshafer12 as well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do some posting there. There will be a podcast as well. It'll be in in addition to B-Shape Daily. So again, if you're like I'm not paying for anything, forget you. I'd be like that's totally reasonable. I'm cool with it. But I I'd be silly not to at least explore this because I do I do spend a good amount of time doing the podcast every night and I've talked about wanting to get it off the ground and it would be great if down the road I uh, can line up sponsorships and have that be a, a way to to monetize B-Shape Daily. So It can be justified to do this well into the future, uh, even after the baby comes. My wife and I, for those who don't know, expecting a baby four weeks from now, early September. We're really excited about that. But that's one of those things where you realize, wow, I do a podcast every night for 90 minutes. I really should try to make this a legitimate part of what I do for my career in sports talking, sports writing, all that good stuff. So what I've done is patreon.com slash bschafer12. There will be additional content that if you decide to become a patron, and I put a couple membership tiers up, five bucks a month, uh, will get you everything that, that would be offered on the website, which is going to be, as I mentioned, a podcast, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. The goal is about weekly, but if I can do multiple times a week in addition to Be Safe Daily, you guys know I will, uh, but I think that's going to be more like do some mailbag episodes when people have questions, I want to dive in as deep as I possibly can on the questions people have. whether it's about the Cardinals, whatever the case might be, I, I can really have that be a forum where I can go go in depth on whatever it is that people that that l- l- the listeners want to talk about. and that'll be kind of the incentive to say all right I'm if I become a patron, I'll have access to that. I'm also doing blog posts. I put up the first blog post for the patreon. Just sort of a uh, discussion of, of my impressions of the weekend, the Cardinals sweeping the Yankees, and I had Austin read it, and he said, yeah, this is good. I like the, the format. It's going to be different than what you'd see if you read my stories on KMOV or anywhere else that I, that I do more, quote-unquote, professional writing. This is just kind of shooting from the hip, hope to have a little humor, hope to be a little less buttoned up. I like to think the tone of it is going to be like if you're reading my Twitter account, but longer form blog posts. It'll be about the Cardinals. It could be about anything, but give you a little more access to uh, my personality. And hopefully that's something that people would enjoy. And the podcast, like I mentioned, is something that uh, there's no podcasts on there yet, but that's something that I'm going to work to roll out in the weeks ahead in regular blog posts. I'm not sure exactly how often I'll do them. I'd like to multiple times a week, make sure to be putting things up. If people are deciding to to patronize me on Patreon, then I want to make sure you guys are at least getting something uh, for that. But also, it's it's sort of a consideration of, for people who have uh, supported the show, like I had mentioned uh, with the Twitter link, this would be another way to do that, where if you say, if I'm if I'm willing to go five bucks a month uh, to be a patron, I'll get a little bit of bonus content, and I'll continue to enjoy uh, B-Shape Daily. Which, by the way, this is no obligation. B-Shape Daily will remain uh, free to listen, and I appreciate all you who have who have joined on and have begun uh, listening in recent weeks. It's really awesome for me uh, to see the numbers going up and to see people supporting uh, the work I'm doing here. But I just wanted to mention that. It's something that you'll hear me plug from time to time on the podcast, uh, not nearly as long as I've talked about it today, but just kind of wanted to introduce it. If people have any questions or if people have interest in saying, hey, here's something that I would like to see on there that you don't really do right now but would be cool if you did, and gosh, if you did that, I'd be more inclined to to become a patron. DM me at bshafer12 because I'm, I'm trying to be a man of the people, and uh, that's exactly what I'm all about. Uh, come fall when there's no baseball anymore, we'll obviously talk a lot about Cardinals offseason, and that'll be a lot of uh, interesting space to to put stuff on the Patreon uh, in terms of free agency and trade possibilities, and, and that'll all be on B-Shape Daily as well. Um, but just something to think about if, you, if you're interested in – uh, supporting me in that way. Fantasy football, too, is something I think I'll put on there. A lot of you guys may care about that. You may not, but that's just part of uh, something I may may put on the extra side of uh, of what I've been doing. So appreciate you guys for listening, of course. And uh, if you're interested in that, once again, the link is patreon.com slash bshafer12. But let's go ahead and get into the content of the show after that long preamble. I do apologize. Like I said, we won't do that every time. But let's talk about the 2023 Cardinals rotation And what we really realistically think it could look like. We'll start with what they've got in-house right now. And discuss what could potentially be leaving. Obviously at the top of that list is Adam Wainwright. He is under contract only through the end of the season. We know Yadier Molina is retiring. His longtime battery mate. Would Wainwright consider coming back for next year? We don't know for sure. But we have to consider him at the beginning of this. We're going to talk about what's locked in in terms of the pitching depth for the team in 2023. And then we'll go into, okay, what else do they need and where could they add? Here's who's locked in. And it's not too long of a list and the names on it you may not be so impressed with. But we got to give you the realities of what the contract situations look like. Miles Michaelis is locked in for 2023, $17 million, the final year of his four-year $68 million deal that he signed a couple few years back. So he's locked in. He's pitched really well this year if he stays healthy. I think that's a guy Cardinals fans are, are super glad will be in the rotation for next year. Is he your ace? Is he a number one? I, you don't have to put that kind of label on it. But certainly I don't think Cardinals fans are going to be complaining about that deal, the $17 million, if if he ends up pitching uh, through the remainder of this season the way that he has so far and can continue with that in 2023. Okay, you're off to a nice start. Next up on the payroll chart, Steven Matz. Well, crap. <laughs> We're already to a spot where we have questions, right? $10.5 million is his salary for next year. He's got two more years on the books after that. Remember, he signed a four-year deal right before the lockout. Four years, $44 million through 2025. $10.5 million is what he'll make next year. Hadn't pitched all that well, has had multiple injuries, and then the freak injury with his knee, the MCL, is the reason he's out at the present time. I don't know what we can expect Stephen Matz to be realistically but best case scenario he's healthy and ends up being able to to give you good solid 150 160 innings of an ERA in the in the 3s right because we've seen him do that before 2018 with the Mets 3.97 154 innings uh 2019 was a 4.21 ERA that's not not that great but it's it'll do 160 innings of that. That's kind of like number four, number five numbers, though, especially these days when offense is down. That's uh, Dakota Hudson's got that ERA right now, 4.21. I think it's almost exactly the same as uh, what Steven Matz was in 2019. Matz in 2021, 150 innings, 3.82 ERA for Toronto last year. That prompted the Cardinals to sign him to this deal. He's at his age 31 season right now. Uh, Just turned 31 in May. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. Worst case scenario, it's kind of like a Patrick Corbin deal where even if he's healthy, he's pitching poorly and you just got to wear it because he made 10 starts this year, 5.70 ERA. I think he's a better pitcher than what he was earlier in the season, but he's having injury issues. uh, I believe it was shoulder, right, for Steven Matz. And so the. The most recent issue is knee, and you can at least feel good about that not being arm-related, right? But the numbers for the season are what they are. You you can't necessarily uh, sugarcoat it. Maybe he would have been better had he stayed healthy and not had the freak knee situation. He did look good in that one start against the Reds that weekend when he got hurt, but this is what you're looking at. He's under contract. He's He's going to be the second highest paid – well, maybe not going to be, but currently, as it is on the books – He's the second-highest-paid pitcher to Michaelis. And if I'm getting this right, the fourth-highest-paid guy on the roster. How's that possible? We got Arenado at 35, Goldsmith at 26, Michaelis at 17. Adding all that up real quick, that's only like 70-some-odd million dollars. I don't know where the rest of the money is. There's no way. Their, their payroll commitment is right at $100 million. So if you're wondering, well, how are they going to pay for this Juan Soto trade? Well, that would have been how. They don't have a lot of commitments uh, that deep into the future. A lot of guys in arbitration next year, Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson, Gallegos, Chris Stratton, Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, but those guys combined may not get to $25 million. I don't think Flaherty's getting a big raise off of the 5000000 million he's got. Montgomery maybe goes up a little bit. Right now, doing some quick math, yeah, maybe that gets into the the 30-ish million range for that entire group, depending on what they do with those guys. But the Cardinals have a little bit of payroll muscle to flex, I think would be the way that I put that, because comparing it to this year, there are some distinct differences. Adam Wainwright's 17.5 will be gone. Yachty's 10 million will be gone. And so that's a decent chunk of, of payroll that that does dissipate. But if we're looking at the rotation... It's Michaelis and it's Mats. Those are guys that are locked in from a salary perspective. It's kind of unavoidable. $3 million for Drew Verhagen. Uh, I don't think you have to necessarily factor him too much into the starting conversation. He's out for the year as it is this season, and I don't know what his role will be next year. They're paying him, so they'll bring him to spring training, and they'll see how he looks. But it, it, I, I don't think you can at this point, based on what we've seen this year, I don't think you can expect big things from Drew Hagen, good old Drew Verhagen, next year. So that brings us down the list to Jordan Montgomery, who is going to be locked in, I think, as a, as a starter for this team. Hopefully he does well over the remainder of the season. He's on a one-year, $6 million deal. He'll be in the final year of arbitration eligibility next year. Puts him probably to, I don't know, eight to $9 million probably for his salary. And that'll be well worth it if he can provide what the Cardinals uh, traded him to provide. Traded for him to provide, I should say. So now we're looking at Michael's Matz, Montgomery. And then we get into the tricky situation of Jack Flaherty, who, if the Cardinals can get this guy back healthy, I know he's going out on a rehab soon. We know what Jack Flaherty can be, but it just seems a little bit ridiculous to still be talking about what he can be and not what he is. Because what he is at this point over the past, really three seasons in the first year, wasn't his fault because of COVID, but the Cardinals were so careful with him. So we can just isolate it, though, to the last two years because it's not that he was hurt in 2020, really. It was just the Cardinals were so terrified of him getting hurt. In retrospect, you laugh because that's all he's been the last two years is injured. But, man, you go back to the end of that 2019 season when he was so dynamite, he was Bob Gibson-esque for the final three months or so, early to mid-July is when he really kicked that off right before the deadline or maybe it was right after, but it was just... Two and a half to three months of solid gold from Jack Flaherty. It's the best year of his career, though. He threw 196 innings that summer. Since then, again, COVID baked into that. But since then, only, what's that, 126? Doing some quick math. 40 innings, 78 innings, and this year only eight. Eight innings for Jack Flaherty. So, yeah, 126 over three seasons. And uh, hopefully the Cardinals get him back later this year, but... It's tricky. Like, can you really count on him as a star? Like, if you're going into spring training, if you have four names and then Jack Flaherty and that's it in terms of guys that are locked in, how do you feel about that? Probably not very good, especially given that you know one of the names is Steven Matz and his season hasn't gone well. Montgomery and Michaelis, I feel okay about. Matz is going to be in the mix because he's getting paid to be. We'll see how the performance and the health works out. Jack Flaherty, same thing. People say, well, why don't you trade Jack Flaherty? He's got the trade value. Well, he doesn't anymore. He did it at, a, at a certain time. And back then it was, you might've had a few people saying it, but it just wasn't it just wasn't on the, the table for the Cardinals back then. Obviously in retrospect, you say, wow, you could have gotten so much more for him. Same thing with Alex Reyes if they had done it at the trade deadline last summer. Now we have no idea what the rest of his career might hold. Cardinals are probably DFAing, or I should say, non-tendering Alex Reyes this offseason. Like I can't imagine. Maybe I'm wrong, but he he made 2.85 million this year not to pitch, and his final year of arb eligibility is 2023. I can't imagine the Cardinals giving him three and a half million at this point. I think I think we've probably seen the end of Reyes in a Cardinals uniform, which is unfortunate because man, the promise was there, but but we just never really saw him put it together because of the health thing. That's all. He had the one all-star season as a reliever. He was good in 2020, but that was such a short stint that you didn't really think anything of it. You you know, you didn't trust it at the time. 2021 happened, and, and for the most part, he was brilliant. I don't hold against him the home run he gives up in the wild card game to lose it to the Dodgers, but it is a shame that that ends up being the last pitch he throws for the Cardinals. I don't like thinking about it that way, but I, I think it does end up being the case because even without pitching, I think it's just the the natural way it goes. You probably get a raise from your previous salary even after being injured. 2.85 was his salary this year. And even if it's an even three, I don't know if the Cardinals do it. I hope I'm wrong because it's just 3 million and the upside is is worth it. And just for the the closure of it all, I, I want to see if Reyes can can pull through, but I would be sincerely surprised if that ends up being the case. So we've probably seen the last of Reyes as a cardinal. I do hope he catches on somewhere, though. And if he's healthy enough to pitch, he will, because somebody will, will take a flyer on him, but he's got to recover from the shoulder surgery, and uh, I don't really know the timeline on that either. It might knock him out for a, a good chunk of next season, which makes it a non-starter. You remember John Brebia, The Cardinals would have liked to have kept him, but he was supposed to miss half the next year, and so they just non-tendered him. I think you'll see a similar situation with this. But Jack Flaherty, you got to tender him. you got one year. Ideally... It would be possible, uh, speaking of a trade conversation, if Flaherty comes back in September for real this year and he looks good, I would not be surprised to see the Cardinals trade him in the offseason. But right now he has no value. You'd have to build up that value by giving some proof of concept later on in the year that he's healthy, and uh, then you might just cut your losses and sell sell the guy low because there's only one year left on the deal before he can be eligible for free agency. But I, I don't know if that's really in the cards. It's it's a complicated issue at this point. There's obviously been friction between Flaherty and the front office at times when just like miscommunication, weird things seem to happen between what Flaherty says and what Mosalak says, and you you just would like to see them be able to be on the same page. But oftentimes it's just been like two ships passing in the night is the way it's felt to me. And I think maybe a lot of people that have, have kind of watched that relationship unfold. I don't think there's animosity or anything like that, but it's just like the communication styles have not, have not meshed, right? Moselak tries to keep things buttoned up, wants to present that United front. Flaherty says, well, you misspoke. You said something that wasn't accurate, that you didn't portray me in the way that I wanted. And Flaherty's going to, he, as is definitely his right, he'll go to social media and he'll try to set the record straight. So, We'll see what it ends up looking like for Jack. I do hope he comes back at some point this year because the Cardinals could use him. You can never have too much pitching, and he's as talented as they come when he's healthy. But $5 million was the salary last year. I do think you tender him. I do think uh, regardless of how the rest of this season plays out, you got to you got to pay him the six or seven mil, whatever it ends up being. Again, not a huge raise since he hasn't pitched this season. Very healthy. But I think where the Cardinals' rotation is going to be, a flyer on Jack Flaherty, even if it is just one final year before he pursues free agency, would be worth it to me to to take a shot on that kind of guy in your rotation because he's an all-star caliber pitcher when right. So we've got our list now. Michaelis, Stephen, Matts, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty. Add him to the list. I'll skip over some of the relievers. I know I talked to Alex Reyes, but uh, I'll skip over Chris Stratton. He's going to be making more money than I think the Cardinals will pay, but we'll see. last year. Gallego's 2.41. You probably tender him. Uh, Dakota Hudson. There's a starter. Let's talk about that. 1 million, 1.05 million is his salary for 2022. He's into arbitration. Next year is ARB 2. And then 2024, Hudson will be ARB 3. It depends on the way the rest of this season goes for him. But I could see that being another trade candidate in the offseason. Not because the Cardinals are just flush with pitching talent, but because you might, if he, if he, handles himself and his ERA ends up dipping back toward four, maybe below, right now it's a little bit above, you know, you could could maybe find another team that would be interested in Hudson to fill some innings in their rotation, and you might be able to get something back for him, and you maybe, that would be an example of clearing the deck, because it seems as though with the Cardinals, for whatever reason, Hudson has, his ceiling is capped, is what it feels like to me right now. Again, with every player I'm talking about, if I've got something negative to say, I hope I'm wrong. I'm, I would love for the Cardinals to do well, and for, but we've got to be realistic at, at points. And we're looking at Hudson, and the trajectory of his career is going in the wrong direction right now. He had the Tommy John situation, and so you you preach a little bit of patience with that because really this is his first full year removed from TJ. And so that may be the way the Cardinals view it internally, and they say, look, I know it hasn't looked right and, and, and consistent for Hudson this year, but... It's an affordable arm in our rotation. He's still young. He's going to be in his age twenty eight season next year. Why did I say season like that? Age twenty eight season, September fifteenth. So his birthday's coming up. He'll turn twenty eight. He's just a couple a couple months younger than me, but way better at pitching than me. But but maybe the Cardinals internally think, okay, we expect him to get better. But I don't. I'm going to say they don't think that way because. First of all, 2021, he did come back at the end of last year and looked okay in the couple of games that he, that he pitched. And he was a, a starter for one of them and a long reliever in the other. Pitched almost nine innings total, gave up just two earned runs. He looked solid, only one walk. And that was kind of like a way to accelerate the timeline where this is, yes, his first full season, but because he had the surgery at such a weird time at the end of the prior year and that he was able to come back without ever missing a full season... It makes you wonder, like, shouldn't the recovery be a little bit further along? I don't know if that's fair to say for Hudson because it we haven't seen a lot of instances like this, especially given that the COVID season was, was part of that. He was good that year in the few starts that he made, eight starts, 2.77 ERA, his one full season in the rotation, 3.35 ERA. So he's only ever been good up until this season. And maybe it is the residual effect from the Tommy John, but... I'm just going to go on a limb and say the Cardinals aren't viewing it that way internally. I think they're frustrated with the pacing issues. You've heard Ollie Marmol be frustrated with the pacing issues. It's obviously not Marmel's decision what happens with Hudson's place on the organization. He can decide if he's in the rotation or not, but I could see the offseason, the Cardinals shopping him. It wouldn't be a total surprise because, again, there's going to be teams that look at the numbers that he's had in the past and say, I mean, there's something to work with here. Yeah, he's got to get the walks down, but... You know he's had he's had some very successful years, and right now I think it's just you're in the moment with him if you're the Cardinals, and so there's frustration there, and that frustration could lead to them shopping him in the off season. I think it's possible, but for now we assume okay, one million this year, and not having a great season, he might make two and a half next year. That's still pretty cheap. That's affordable. If they're not just so dead set on thrusting him in the rotation, if they've got five better options, I'd say just hang on to him and you can have him be in the bullpen. You can have him be in a leverage role if you want, if he can kind of work, work his way back to what he came up as, because that first season when he was a reliever, he was very heavily relied upon down the stretch in his initial season for the Cardinals. So, uh, you know, that was 2018 and I could see the Cardinals maybe going that route, but it seems like this year he had 2.63 ERA in that, in that season, twenty twenty six 26 appearances. This year, though, it seems like they're really dead set on keeping him in the rotation. Maybe it's the Palante innings reason for that, but I just don't know if that's if that's panning out and, and if long-term we can expect it to pan out, but we'll have to see. We'll put him in the list for right now. We're up to Michaelis Matz, Montgomery, Flaherty, Hudson. That's five names, but how? like I said, you can't necessarily trust that. That's not going to necessarily be your rotation. And it certainly won't be throughout the full year because injuries do happen. So let's keep going down the list. We get to Adam Wainwright. We're now to Jordan Hicks. I don't consider him part of the starting mixture, but he'll have his final year of ARV eligibility next year as well. Man, the Cardinals have really got a lot of relievers coming up on the end. And, and these guys that we we view them as young guys, but then it's like they've been around for a while. The Jordan Hickses, the the guys like Alex Reyes, who's obviously a different situation. But those guys, the fact that they're almost to the end of their our eligibility means you know they could be they could obviously depart in in Jordan Hicks's case, so we'll see. Maybe the Cardinals decide to try to sign him to an extension. I don't really necessarily see that likely, but we'll see. Adam Wainwright is the one that we got to talk about next because obviously you've got those five names. But do you feel great about Mats? No, but he's there because of the money. Do you feel great about Flaherty? I do if he's healthy, but that hasn't been the case. And you don't feel great about Hudson just based on recent performance. So Cardinals can't feel satisfied with those five. I do think you have to go into the season with more than that. And if everybody is healthy, consider it a good problem to have and just as an organization, learn to better manage these quote-unquote complicated issues. At times, John Mozeliak, in the past couple of years has talked about a hypothetical trade or hypothetical free agent addition being complicated. They don't want to complicate the roster. We have found unequivocally especially in the pitching scenario, that is the wrong way to look at things. It's just wrong because you have to have more than you need. And if you end up having too much, great, massage the egos. That's the front office and the field manager's job. Massage the egos, find out who's going to the bullpen. The Dodgers do it. Dodgers said, we're trading for this big contract, but David Price, by the way, you're a reliever now. The Dodgers have no problem doing that with some of their best young prospects, some veteran players. It doesn't matter. The Rays, they do it. They figure out ways to, to do it, and they're more successful because of it. That needs to be the Cardinals next year. You cannot, once again, go into the season without enough pitching. So, Wainwright, I think the Cardinals would welcome back with open arms. I'm going to say, as of today, and it's a coin flip, it's pretty close for me because he's coming up on 200 wins, and I don't think he's quite going to get there this season. That's a big number, and I think if you do come back and you win another 12 to 15 games with an ERA of three, and you add more strikeouts, I do think that there's a Hall of Fame case to be made for Adam Wainwright. I don't know how much that legacy matters to him. I'm sure it matters a lot. He would be honored to be considered among that group. But that being said, like, are you going to make a decision off the chance that maybe you're able to, to rack up enough stat accumulation to get there? I don't know. I don't think that's the way Adam Wainwright rolls. I think if he does it, it's going to be for the right reasons. That being said... He's, he's been pretty darn good for the Cardinals this year outside of this start against the Yankees on Sunday, which sucks because it ballooned his ERA to 3.42. He had been right in line with what he had done in recent years, 3.15, 3.05. Now it's up to 3.42, even though it was much lower than that three days ago. I don't know. As of right now, I'm going to not count Wainwright in the mixture. What I am going to say is, and not because the Cardinals don't want to sign him, I think he. I think he will elect to retire. But like I said, I'm a coin flip on that. I could go either way. And it's not something he's thinking about yet, I'm sure. He's going to deal with that when it's time to deal with that, and he'll do it the right way. He'll talk to his family. That's going to be the way it goes down. And uh, whatever decision he makes, I think will be the right one for him. But right now, for the purposes of this exercise, I'm going to say I'm counting him out. And I'm going to say more likely to be in the Cardinals rotation next year is Jose Quintana, more likely than Wainwright. And I know it's early. We've only seen one start from Quintana with the Cardinals. But it's like Adam Wainwright said, I thought this guy should have been here years ago. That's what Wainwright said. He he fits this clubhouse. He fits this team and what we do here perfectly. I think the Cardinals are going to see that over the next couple of months if he stays healthy, barring some freak injury or something. I think the numbers are going to be there and the Cardinals are going to go, yeah, we could do three more years of this. At least two more years of this. Right now he's on a one-year, $2 million deal because he was Bad last year, Quintana was, and he was mostly a reliever last year. A reliever in bad. So the deal he signed with the Pirates, they took a flyer on him for a couple mil. They said, we can put you in our rotation. He's been solid. He hasn't gone super deep into games, averaging just over five innings per start. One of the lower quality start percentage rates, along with Dakota Hudson in baseball this season. But I think you're going to see him turn into a quality start machine with this Cardinals defense. I really do have a feeling about Quintana. And if that happens, I think they'll sign him. I don't know if he'll, he'll probably want a three-year deal because he's definitely rebuilt the value. I mean, you're not going to sign... He's not going to have to sign a one-year, $2 million offer after this season, the way things are going now. 3.39 ERA, going to end up around 150, 160 innings. That's at least, I could see being a two-year, $16 million total deal. Something like that. I think he's going to get some nice guarantees compared to what he had to settle for this time around. He's 33 years old, so... You know, teams will bake that in and, and they'll recognize that there have been some lean years too. I think the Cardinals are going to be a perfect fit, and I bet he signs. If I had to if I had to guess, if things go right the rest of the year, I think they'll sign him to a two or three year contract. It makes too much sense not to. So that's another name I'm putting into the now now. We've got six. And now we can start to talk about parsing out well, who's reliable from this group? Michaelis, yes. Montgomery, yes, and we know that injuries can happen to anybody, but I'm I'm saying I'm comfortable with it, and then I'd be comfortable with Quintana, Mats. It doesn't matter what your comfort level is. He's in the rotation if he's healthy. Because again, they're paying him, and they're paying him for two more years. Buyer's re- remorse, maybe a little bit. I don't know, but he's still he's going to be he's going to be here because he's under contract. It's not a contract you're going to be able to trade. Not with the kind of year that he's had. So you're riding through, and you're hoping that he has. Kind of the bounce back that we've seen from Michaelis this year, after last year was a, an injured, riddled mess. It wasn't what he wanted. I'm I'm putting Quintana in there, and then you're looking at Flaherty as maybe that number five, and Hudson being someone they could trade if things go the way they the way they want. So from there, we look and say, all right, that's a decent way to go about it. And if the Cardinals of yesteryear, of the past two off seasons, are going to be the same Cardinals this winter, they might call that good. A trade of Hudson to clear the deck, signing Quintana to an extension two or three years, probably Wainwright walks, and everybody else coming back. You've got six guys for five spots. One of them gets hurt in spring. There you go. You And then we'll talk about what the depth looks like. Well, this year, the depth has not looked great. Jake Woodford is still in the minor leagues. Uh, he's going to be arbitration eligible eventually, but I guess without getting the service time, that, that can't just happen. So Cardinals clearly don't seem to trust him as starter role. We haven't seen it all year. Uh, numbers haven't been great at Memphis, but nobody's is in Memphis. Triple A numbers are ridiculous. I think the baseball they're using is just juiced to holy hell. And so you see a lot higher numbers down there. Who else do the Cardinals have that could mix in as a starter next year? Well, obviously Andre Polante because of, up until last week, he was in the rotation and the last start we saw from was eight innings, no runs. That's pretty good. You're you're in on that. I think polante should come into spring training next year competing for a starting role and should be heavily considered in that competition. Like, don't cook the books against him because you don't think the strikeout rate is enough or whatever. Like, I think polante can get there. I think he can, get, can eventually get there as a guy that you really do feel good about in the rotation. Right now, it's... I mean, there are Cardinals fans who would say, I'd rather see him in the rotation than what they've got, than, than Dakota Hudson. I don't know if they're going to make that switch because of innings concerns, but I don't think that's entirely fair either because if you factor in what Palante did in the fall league last year, he's really around 120 innings for a career high. He's got another, and, and again, how do you set a new career high? It's by exceeding the previous one. So I don't really worry too much about that, but he is at 86 innings right now. I feel like they could start him and he'd end up at around 135, 140, and it'd be no problem. You Again, you can exceed the limit. It's fine. That's the only way you're going to break the glass ceiling is to do it. But anyway, for next year, I think Polante should be considered. ERA of 3.03 across his 10 starts, 29 games total. He's been really good, and I like the kid's demeanor. I like his mentality. I like everything about him. And so he'd be on my list to say, all right, I feel good about that. Let's talk about more depth. Matthew Libertor. The, the chances we've got to see him haven't been great returns. 5.33 ERA with St. Louis this year. You know, I top prospect, but losing luster. And you hate to say that because he's still such a young guy. He's still only 22. But at some point, and I think that point might be next year, you got to see him put it together to where you can trust him as as depth or as a guy who comes in and competes for a spot in spring and wins a job. Like, I think this has got to be a big off season for Libertor because I don't think the guy that we've seen this year can come in next year and just waltz in and win a job. I think it's going to take a lot of work for him in the off season, but I think he can get there because the raw, the raw skills are there. He's just got to put it together at the, the highest level in the sport, which for a 22 year old in his first taste of the bigs, it doesn't always happen that way, especially for pitchers. There's a learning curve. And, and so hopefully he's able to do it because again, Not to put pressure on you, but it is a case where they traded a lot to get him. Erosarena has turned into a good player, and even if they would have ended up trading Erosarena down the road, they could have gotten more for him if they had known uh, what his his talent level was and and that he could adjust to the big league level and and, and do a nice job. 4.77 ERA in the minors this year for Libby, which, as I mentioned, tough to do in AAA because right now the numbers are just so catastrophic offensively compared to what we see at the big league level with the juice balls down there. So I don't mind what he's done at the minors. I just want to see better production at the big league level. Like his ERA should be lower at the major league level, just strictly based on the baseballs not being the same. That's, I mean, that's just the environment of the the two leagues and what we've seen this year. Other starter potential candidates. I think Zach Thompson should be considered. At least coming into spring, I think that's somebody who should be considered. He's looked good in a relief role. He should be here right now, but he's not. So I he'd at least be on my list as somebody to keep an eye on. And otherwise, I don't think there's a lot to talk about in terms of at least the guys that are on the 40-man roster. I don't think anybody else on the 40-man really factors in too much to me for what next year looks like. You have prospects that you could consider. Gordon Graceffo is at A right now. Maybe he really elevates his game. Uh, that's somebody that could get some run in spring training. Maybe he's still a little too far off. We'll see. But that's a guy, 22 years old. Like the the age is right to where he could start to ascend, and has done a solid job at Springfield. Not amazing numbers, but at least somebody to consider if they keep him in the organization. But that's kind of where I'm at. I'm looking at Mike Lewis. I'm looking at Mats. I'm looking at Jack Flaherty. I'm looking at Dakota Hudson and wondering what that ends up being. I'm looking at Jordan Montgomery. I'm predicting maybe no for Wayno, but that could always change, and that obviously improves your depth if it does. Jose Quintana, I think, is somebody they sign. If he pitches healthily the rest of the year, I think that would be a great pickup to sort of solidify the rotation for 2023. And then you're looking at depth options like Libertor, like Palante, and maybe even Zach Thompson. So that's nine names. If it goes that way, again, right now... You don't have Quintana under contract. Two of the nine names are Matts and Flaherty, guys who are under team control, are going to be paid north of $5 million for the both of them each, and both of them haven't really pitched this year because of injuries, so that scares you a little bit. But I think they've got a decent number of names, but that the 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 name that really does, I think, make it look a little more palatable is Quintana, because if you get that security, that makes me feel a little better about it. I don't feel great about if I had to come in with Libertor as my number five, unless he shows that he can go up and take the job. I don't feel great about it being, well, we've gotten so many injuries because of attrition. It's April and he's in our rotation. Not if there's not like a step forward, but I do think there can be one from Libertor. I haven't given up on him by any means. And the Cardinals would like that. You know, having some lefties in your rotation can be dynamic. It can help a team. And right now with Montgomery, with, Quintana, and then Libertor could be that. Zach Thompson obviously could be that. So I am i don't think the Cardinals rotation is in dire straits for next year, but there's there's so much uncertainty that you can't feel great about it until you come into spring training and you start seeing some of the guys that need to take leaps forward to give you confidence actually do it. So that's kind of where I am on the rotation for next year. Could the Cardinals decide to go, go shopping in the offseason? We mentioned that the payroll... Uh, capacity is there to do it in the winter of 2023, but I I don't, or I guess I should say 2022 going into the 2023 season. I don't know who all of the names are, but one name that I know, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm interested in, if I do go that route, is Carlos Rodon. He's been on the Giants this year. He had to sign the one-year, con- well, it was a multi-year contract, but he got the opt-out after this season. And the way he's pitched, he's opting out. He's 10-6 and with a 2.95 ERA. 22 starts, 128 innings, 161 strikeouts in those 128 innings. So he's a guy that, just 29 years old this season, will still be only 30 next year. It's another lefty. You don't want to overload yourself too much with lefties, but it's not the end of the world. It's a Boris guy, though, so you know he's opting out, and you know he's going to get the most money that he can. We'll see. That would be the one free agent name that I would toss out there other than Quintana. I do think that one's a a hit. But let me know what you guys think about the Cardinals rotation for 2023. That's kind of the look that we wanted to go into tonight. And so I hope we accomplished that. Kind of check that off the list. Send me a a direct message at Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Let me know whose name I missed, who you'd like me to talk about in a little bit more depth as we get into this conversation and certainly something that we'll do in the offseason as well. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. I appreciate you guys so much for listening. As always, check out the Patreon if you're curious, patreon.com slash bshafer12. Thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B Shave Daily. Peace!